I think the transfer of enthusiasm goes a long way with buyers as well as sellers. You want someone who's excited to sell your home, excited to meet the buyer, excited that, you know, you have to go through this process. We want to help you. I get a lot of business based on that. So energy, enthusiasm, you want someone who wants to learn. You're listening to Elevate, the official podcast of Elite Agent for real estate industry sales professionals, property managers and leaders. With thanks to our partner Connect Now, Elevate brings you the best tools, thinking and strategies to elevate your results. To get access to all of Elite Agent's premium resources, including a detailed episode guide for this podcast, visit joineliteagent.com. And for more information about how Connect Now can make moving easier on your clients, visit connectnow.com.au. Here is your host, Samantha McLean. Hey, hey, everyone. It's Sam here. My guest today is a unique force in the industry, recognised as Australia's highest volume agent. He has masterfully redefined his business model, adopting these days a more auction-centric approach. This innovation, along with his relentless commitment to service, has earned several top agent awards, including this year's REA or AREA as number one agent for New South Wales. Today, we're going to uncover some of the strategies behind his success and explore what sets him apart. So Josh Teslin, welcome to the show. Thank you so much, Samantha McLean. It's good to be here. Let's have some fun. This is actually your third time, but we haven't caught like it's been a minute, but I think it was like literally 2020, the last time that you and I caught up. I know, totally different world back in 2020. So much has happened for the good and the learning experiences along the way. Yeah, absolutely. So like I said, so much has happened. You moved to Ray White, you spoke at Eric, you had an event, you got married, you've got a baby on the way. Somehow you managed to sell a few houses in the middle of all of that. Question number one, how's your sleep going these days? Not great. Going to bed a lot later. I've got a massive rent roll now. I purchased a rent roll of 850 plus properties. So that's a whole nother new challenge there. So yeah, sleep, probably going to bed around, I'd say maybe 1 or 2 a.m. and waking up at about 7 or 8. So getting about six hours here or there, which somehow with lots, lots of coffee during the day, powers me through. Gosh, that is pretty hardcore. So let's go through a few of these because people are very interested in how you manage to do what you do in the real estate industry. I mean, you make it look easy, right? Yeah. But it's not easy, is it? No, definitely not. So since you made the move to Ray White, you've officially become recognised as the highest volume agent in Australia. And I think 370 houses, although I remember you've got this memory for numbers, which is rad, wild. In the last financial year, I think 879 homes or something like that. Give me the actual stats. Okay, so myself settled for financial year, which was the 2021-2022. Myself, I did 370. The office did 565. That was top sales in terms of number of volume of sales in Ray White. Also, number one in terms of gross commission as a principal, salesperson, overall performer, every category I pretty much did. Yeah, amazing. Congratulations. So first question. The last time we spoke, you were still with a small independent office and then the world just went crazy for you and you joined Ray White. What happened back there, if you can cast your mind back, you know, what feels like 100 years ago, and why did you choose Ray White? I chose Ray White because they were a known brand. So everyone knows the Ray White yellow. It's very distinctive. Ray White basically was the only competitor not in my marketplace at that point in time. And I wanted to align myself with a brand that, as I said, was known, 
when I opened up my own company, it was Josh and Ray White, number one agent joins number one brand. I was number one rate by agent at that point in time. So, yeah, a very easy transition and I suppose they had all the systems in place. I didn't want to be on the shelf for three to six months, you know, creating my own logo and my own brand and having no support at all, being solo. I just wanted to be fast, quick, and then Ray White was just on the ball. As soon as, you know, they approached me and we sort of came to a deal, it all happened within two weeks and I was back listing and selling within three. Yeah, amazing. And the other big change is that Ray White has this culture of auction which is you know, quite second to none in any group. And you've basically transitioned, as I understand, from being mostly private treaty to mostly auctions. What prompted the change and how has it impacted your business? Yeah, we're auction only now. So we'll auction everything, one-bedroom studios, land, townhouses, double stories, single stories, you name it, we'll auction it. The main reason we like to auction, and, and I suppose I was never trained or I was never brought up within the auction system, the auction sometimes is for the vendor and sometimes it's actually you know, for the buyer as well. And with auction, you get a deadline. So private treaty days on market, when the market changed, days on market for PT were going 40 plus, whereas auction was 23. So we could shorten our days on market, give the buyers a deadline, and we didn't have to go through a dreaded cooling off period. So in New South Wales, we were minimum 10 business day cooling off periods. And during that time when the election happened and rate rises just started to sort of happen, we were getting probably 30 to 40% rescissions. So three out of our 10 deals or four out of 10 deals were pulling out. So for me, it was A, a deadline, B, it created a lot of urgency. I genuinely asked myself on auction day, have we done the work? We brought the buyers, you know, we've created urgency. We've got five registered bidders. A home is worth what a buyer will pay and you can't replicate that, you know, competition and emotion. So yeah, it's been working very well. My clearance rate is 88%. The offices, I think, is 85. So, yeah, the auction method is working well, faster days on market and better results. Yeah, amazing. And so you just, like, obviously you do some amazing volume, but you just sort of said when interest rates started to turn a little bit, things turned with buyers a little bit. So I guess you're not immune to market conditions. How have you found it out there at the moment? Yeah, look, it's better now than what it was. During, I reckon, the election last year, which is around that sort of May-June period and the interest rate rises really started to rise, half a percent rises, we had an average sale price 18 months ago of 1.2 in Quakers Hill. That same house during that tough period was selling for 950 So it was hard, obviously, for vendors, but I suppose my job is, you know, to not shield them from the truth. I just had to be honest and, you know, I'm not someone who influences price in the market. My job is to just bring the best offer. So I think a lot of agents struggled and shut down during that period where I was honest, I was upfront. I always said to the vendor, if you're buying in the same market, you're buying high, you're selling high. If you're selling less, you're buying less. It's very relative on both ends. And a lot of people when they sell often have to you know, purchase something at the same time. So yeah, at the moment, it's a lot better. It's a lot more confidence. It's funny, when the interest rate rises started to happen, people had the mentality of, I'm going to wait. You know, I'm going to wait another six months, see what the market does. Whereas now, they know what the market's going to do. Their pre-approval, it lasts for three months. And then after a pre-approval, they have to go for a renewal. When they go for a renewal, they go on the new interest rate and their budget goes from here to here. So they've got money now and they want to spend it, which is great. Yeah, amazing. I mean, you know, a lot of other agents will be listening to this podcast. And I guess, you know, in that switch from private treaty to auction, we still have a lot of agents that think that auction won't work for them. Can we sort of pretend I'm a vendor 
And let's just say you sold my place back in 2020 and I've had enough of it. I want to move again. Yeah. I've called you back in and now you're telling me that, and I'm like, so it'll just be the same as last year, Josh. What do you say? I'd say, Sam, the market has changed in a positive way and a negative way at the same time. With auction, don't think of it necessarily as an auction. Think of it as we give the buyers a deadline. Now, if we don't give them a deadline, they could take three to four weeks to make an offer. Whereas during this new process that we've now adapted, there's three ways that you can sell, Sam. You can sell before the deadline with a 66W. So if someone wants to purchase your home, they say, here's an offer. We're going to make sure that offer is an unconditional offer because we both, Sam, do not want a rescission. If they rescind, it's never worth more the second time. Days on market blows out. The marketing campaigns, you know, almost going to be expired by that point being off the market for three, four weeks. So we can sell prior. We can sell on deadline day or we can sell post. There's no negative to this process. The days on market with this is, you know, under 30, whereas private sale days on market is going to be 40 plus. So I think it's going to be quicker. It's going to be A, beneficial for you to give yourself the chance to sell unconditionally. And, you know, the best results based on our recent case studies have come during this new adapted method. And are you still going to close me by passing me the pen? Because I remember in, back in 2020, I was so impressed that... Right, oh, right. <laughs> My pen got global on it. The boys bought it for me. Where is it? It says global for number one globally. So <laughs> they have a laugh in the office, but absolutely still doing the pen. You know, as you do this, it's funny. I say to all the boys, they go, oh, you know, you do this so often. And I came up against another agent the other day, as I do. And they said, oh, you know, Josh, you know, that agent has got 35 years experience. And I said, that's great. I said, I've got 11. And they said, you know, they've got more years under their belt. And I said, on paper, yes. But that same agent is selling 35, maximum 40 houses per year. And that would take him 10 years to sell 350 houses. And I sold 370 houses in one year. So who has more experience? And they looked at me and said, you do. And I said, absolutely, I do. I love that. That is an amazing, amazing way to put it. So you do have a lot of properties for sale at the one time. And I guess I'm interested to know, how do you manage so many buyers and vendors at once and still manage to get the best price while you sort of like you must be an octopus. You must have eight hands to sort of oh, <laughs> so many at once, but how do you do it? You can't do this volume unless you have a couple of things. Number one, a really good team. And there's got to be swim lanes as well. So my lane is I list, I sell, I prospect, and I vendor manage. That's my role. I am not doing a thousand open homes per week. Obviously, I've got team members. So I've got Matt Brooks. Matt works a lot with the buyers. He's on the phones with more of the colder buyers, trying to get them to that hot phase of ready to purchase. I've got Aldo. And it's funny, three of my associates all were agents at previous companies. So they've approached me and said, Josh, we'd like to take a step back. We'd like to learn how to become an agent. And obviously that accelerated experience with myself doing so many deals per month. You just get to learn, you know, 10 years basically in two, which is the apprenticeship sort of system as my associate. So number one, have a good team. Obviously, I've got three. They could be agents themselves that are working under me. They're working buyers. I don't attend building. I don't attend pests. I don't attend valuations. They attend the pre-settlement inspections. I just stick to what I'm good at, face-to-face contact. If a buyer, like for instance, I had a call today. The guy goes, Josh, I need to buy today. Pre-approval runs out. Can't attend the auction. He goes, print the contracts, meet me there. I'm printing out comparables, which literally I've got right here. 
I'm printing out the contract. I've got the 66W coming. I've already spoke to his solicitor. The negotiation will be done through me. So in terms of how I juggle it all, having a good team is number one. Sticking to your swim lane is number two. Number three, I have a relentless work ethic. A lot of agents like to take holidays, which I've got. That's great for them. If I want to sell 300 properties individually and I want to make over $7 million in a 12-month period, I know that I can't take I work seven days a week. I've my family within my business. My beautiful wife, who's now pregnant, she'll be exiting the business soon enough once you know our baby comes. But she works side by side with me seven days. My mum's my GM. She works seven days. Most of my associates are working seven days. So I think if you work longer and you work more, you can fit more in. If I was only selling 50 houses a year, I could probably work three days a week. Whereas I want to sell 300 a year, I have to work seven. My hours, I'm working minimum 12-hour days. Still get to see family in the meantime. I've got a great team that are young, youthful, and energetic that you know have the same goals as me, want to succeed, want to do well. So I think it's a combination of work ethic, swim lanes, having good people, doing what you're good at, and delegating the non-dollar productive activities to my associates. Yeah, great answer. I had a look at your Facebook before jumping online, and I looked at the cover photo, which seems like it has a million people in it. So (laughs) compared to when you and I first met, how many people are in that photo? How many people in your team in total now? 34 now, which is a lot. Um, From the 34, we've got myself as the principal, um, selling principal owner of the company. I have got four sales agents or five now. I've got Alex Salamar, I've got Taylor, Braden, I've got Pinal, and I've got Mark and Dad. All great in their own right. Mark wrote over a million dollars last year. Taylor, he'll write two million this year. Alex did seven hundred. I forgot Luke. Luke did seven eighty. Pinal, my associate from the last two years, is now an agent. He's already written three hundred in his first four or five months. So that's my sales agents. We've got a number of associates. I've got three myself. Taylor's got two plus an admin. Mark's got two. We've got sales support. So I've got dedicated receptionists for sales and rentals. I've got two main admin for sales plus a marketing manager. And then I've got 10 in property management. So it's a lot of people, but the good thing about lots of people is you have a lot of fun. Yeah, absolutely. Well, you know, that's obvious from the culture that you put out there. So a couple of questions about people. So first of all, you bring someone new into your business and I'll come to who you might sort of consider a good opportunity to join you. But what are five things that you tell them that they must do? Like how do you get a new person to understand the culture of your business? And let's say I was a new agent joining the Tizzling Group. What would your first pieces of advice to me be? Number one, Sam, we've got to set goals. In any role, in any job, in anything you do in life, I think there's got to be a goal. Why are you joining? What do you want out of this? Do you want to make money? Do you want to have a successful career? Do you want to learn more skills? Do you want to buy a Ferrari? Do you want to buy a Rolex? Like, What's your goal? That's number one. Number two, I usually ask what hobbies you like to do. Like I interviewed someone the other day and they said, oh, we want to work from home three days and you know, we only want to come in two days and we don't want to work weekends. And I said, respectfully, this probably isn't the job with me, maybe another company. This is what I expect. So I write down what I expect. I write down the hours. I write down the pay structure. I write down the opportunity. I like to show people a bit of a pathway in the office as well. So if you're in admin, you've got an opportunity to step up more into marketing eventually and then potentially an office manager role down the track. 
for property management, they can start in leasing, they can go to a consultant, they can go to a junior PM, to a senior PM, maybe to a BDM. Same thing with a sales agent. You start as an associate, you become an agent, and there's a pathway to become an associate director, just like Taylor and Mark have as well. So I like to map out, I suppose, what they want out of the job, what they expect from me in the job. I ask what hobbies they've got. It's great that people have hobbies and ways to check out. A lot of the guys in the office enjoy the gym. They love UFC. They love boxing. So I think that's an important part. I ask them, I would more hire, you can hire people based on skill that wouldn't be good for culture, or you could hire someone that's got, you know, great energy, great enthusiasm, just needs to be shined a little bit. I'd rather mold them into our way and our methodology and the way we operate. So, yeah, I really just like get the core of them. You know, are they local? Local's a big thing. I think if you're traveling an hour every day, you'll get sick of it, especially if you're getting home at midnight or one o'clock in the morning, that'll tire you. So I do like to do it within sort of a 25 to 30 minute maximum radius. That's, you know, a big thing. Age, look, I've got people ranging from 50s to, you know, 20, 18 year olds. So age is not a massive factor for me. We're trying to, yeah, integrate a lot of associates to become agents eventually. We've got lots of females in the office, which I think is a great dynamic. I'm all for that. So, yeah, I think that just understanding more about them, what's their goal, do I think they'll fit in with culture? And then I usually bring a couple of my staff members. If I think it's going well, I'll say, look, I'll stop you right here, Sam. Do you mind if I introduce you to some staff? And I'll literally bring Taylor in, I'll bring Mark in, I'll bring Annette in, who's my mum, and then they'll come out and I'll say, what did you think? And sometimes we align and they say, yep, they'll be great and we'll hire them on the spot. Or sometimes I probably really like them and then a couple of other boys will say, look, I don't think they'll fit in based on this. So I think getting a couple of opinions from trusted advisors in the office is always crucial. Yeah, right. So your mum still works for you? Absolutely. I can see her right now, you know, battling away at her desk. We'll have lunch in about 30 minutes. Yeah, she still works. She loves it. All the boys love her here. She's like a second mum to all these guys and she keeps them in check. Yeah. Well, it was her idea in the first place that you go into real estate, as I remember. So she must be just super proud. She loves it. She walks in every day and we've got a welcome to the Tesla group sign and she always says to me, she's like, you know, this is our office, it's our name. And, you know, it's nice. Ray White's very a family business as well. Obviously with Brian White, who's a very close friend of mine and, and ours, his son, Dan White, Sam White, you know, Dan's wife, Samantha as well. We're all very close. They're a family business. I'm a family business with my wife and obviously my son on the way and my mom who still works here and my sister, she does the gift boxes for us as well. And she lives two streets away. I sold her a place a couple of years ago. So very much a family area, family business within a family company. Yeah, amazing. Now, there will be people that are listening here right now that are thinking, geez, I'd love to go work for Josh at some point. So what do you look for when you're recruiting new people for your office? Depends what role. I think if it's an associate role, I'd look for really good energy. That's a good thing in my eyes. Like you meet someone I understand that real estate, it's not all the same personality and my personality won't be for everyone. I respect that. There's a lot more calmer people and passive people that still do very well. But what works for me is energy. I think the transfer of enthusiasm goes a long way with buyers as well as sellers. You want someone who's excited to sell your home, excited to meet the buyer, excited that you you have to go through this process. We want to help you. I get a lot of business based on that. So energy, enthusiasm, you want someone who wants to learn, someone who, like I had an associate, a couple of years ago, he's no longer in real estate now, pursued a career in fighting. He basically sat down inside of the interview room and I said to him, you know, 
mate, tell me about you. And he goes, look, I don't need to tell you much. He goes, I'm all in. He goes, if my car breaks down, he goes, I'll work to, he goes, I'll walk to work. He goes, if there's ever a flood, I'll swim to work. And he goes, if you need me at midnight, he goes, I'll be there 10 minutes prior to midnight. So they're the right things to say. A lot of agents sort of think they can, like I had an associate recently or the office had an associate and he just couldn't do the hours. He wanted to be home at five o'clock. He couldn't keep up with the volume. And for him, he just, you know, it just wasn't for him. He felt like another person would be better in his place and a bit more deserving, which I appreciated. He was honest. So I think someone who's willing to do the hours, sacrifice equals success. That's the key to life. You've got to sacrifice the partying, you know, all the fun to a degree. You've got to sacrifice seeing family, attending birthdays, you know, watching the television show at night. I don't do any of that, but my success is paramount. You know, I've won every award there is, made lots of money, continue to make lots of money. And as I said, the money becomes a byproduct. I think you just got to enjoy working with people. And I like someone that's extroverted in appointments whenever I meet new staff members, someone who's, as I said, energetic, enthusiastic, extroverted, someone that's willing to learn, someone that doesn't have a chip on their shoulder and someone who's willing to just start from the bottom. Obviously, if it's more senior roles like property management, someone who's got experience, someone who will fit in with culture, someone who knows systems. But yeah, the big thing with us is culture. We hang out a lot as an office. I reward the staff a lot. And I think that staff will work harder when they're motivated and they're incentivized. Like I hired out the Gold Class Cinemas a couple of weeks ago, private cinema showing just for the team. We watched the new Fast and the Furious, went for two hours, and the team had such a buzz. Cost me nothing. But they had such a good time. They'd never experienced anything like that as an office. And the next week, their performance was a lot higher. So I think if you incentivize your staff and reward your staff when, you know, goals are reached and achievements are met, staff culture will be through the roof. Yeah, amazing, amazing. So ticking off one other thing that you did in the last 12 months, which was amazing, is you ran your own event, the Teslin Conference. I did, I did. So tell me a bit about that. What did that feel like? What were your main messages to people that attend? Would you do it again? It was crazy. Literally how it all came about, Sam, was I was on the couch one night and it was in January and my wife at the time wanted to watch a Netflix show as she sometimes does while I'm working and I was so bored by this show. So I was on the couch and I thought, you know, what's something I can do to entertain the next hour or two? And I texted Tom Panos. I texted Marty Fox, texted my friend Emil Urisic texted a couple of agents and I said, boys, I said, why don't I do a conference? I said, would you speak? And they go, Tom messaged me straight away and goes, yeah, I'll speak. That'll be fun. And I said, this conference is going to be aimed at prospecting. It's going to be aimed at closing. It's going to be aimed at, you know, different agents in different markets. And, you know, it's going to be aimed at energy and enthusiasm and almost like a kickstart event for people early in the year. So then I put it up on my Instagram. I put a little chat box and I said, the Tesla conference, expressions of interest for tickets. And then it was 11 o'clock at night. I had like 300 requests within 20 minutes. And they go, we'd love to come. Where is it? How much are the tickets? And I looked at Soph and I started laughing and I started to say, oh, I think this has morphed into something bigger than we both expect. And then I started to confirm speakers. And then Sophia the next day went to some venues and she called me and said, I'm at the Star Event Center in Sydney and they've got a spot on this date. And I said, book it. So then we created an event bright for tickets and then we put $3.99 on the tickets and we sold 500 in the first week and then we ended up having 1,000 people and it was great. I got to speak twice. I got to be up there. Tom Panos was the MC. It was great. Packed out crowd, lots of good people, 
And a lot of people feedback wise really liked that I'm no holds barred. Like I shared my listing presentation. I shared what I do, what I say, what my formula is. I literally was just open book. A lot of agents are scared to, you know, share their knowledge in full because they think a competitor will do it and then they'll beat them. No one can cook it like I can. So, you know, if they pick up one or two things, it's, it was great and the feedback was awesome. Will I do it again? Absolutely. It's going to be hard, though, to top the speakers that I had. That's the hard thing, finding new speakers because the speakers we had were we had the best buyer's agent, the best broker, the best agents. We had Tom Panos. We had Brian White, me, Marty Fox. Like, we had industry heavyweights. So we went really hard with the first. I'm still trying to figure out who to get for the second. <laughs> That's the trouble when you put the bar so high in the beginning. It was high, but no, great experience. I didn't do it for the money. I could have earned more listing and selling that day. It was more just to sort of give back to the industry. And I really felt that there were lots of young agents in the crowd that were sort of unsure if real estate's for them and came up to me after and said, we've got a real buzz. If you can do it, we can. And like a lot of people look at me maybe and think, oh, you know, he's superhuman. I'm not at all. I just work long, good process, simple process, know what to say execute consistently daily. That's just me. Yeah, absolutely. The last time we got together, you and I had a great chat about marketing. I see you as one of the best marketers the industry has, if not the best. And over the years, like I've watched you and, you know, it was always good, but now even it sort of seems that your strategy has become even more aggressive and, you know, reflective of the competition that you really want that 100% market share in your area. Share a bit more about your philosophy and approach to marketing now. The more I earn, the more I spend on self-marketing. I remember at another office that I was at many, many moons ago before I opened Ray White, I remember getting a commission check and the check was, I think, 60 grand at the time. And I spent 30 of it on marketing. And the old principal at the time came up to me and he goes, mate, you're stupid. He goes, you spent $30,000 in a month on marketing. He goes, you know, you earned nothing. Like, that's just criminal. And I remember I looked at him and I said, you don't see the big picture. I said, the more you spend, the more you're out there. I said, the more that people will see my face, I'll become known quicker than anyone ever will be in history. So now I'm extremely well known everywhere. My face, I love being everywhere. Not that I like seeing myself, but I know that when people want to sell, whether or not it's now or three months or six months, they're going to think of Josh Tesla and straight away, I'm in the conversation. My issue is not closing. I can close anyone, my skills, my skill set, my tonality here, my tonality here. I can move, you know, I'm very agile. So my skills and being dynamic in the listing appointment, that's not the issue. It's just getting in more doors. The way to get into more doors is to self-market harder. I leverage a lot. Now that I sell a lot more, it's very simple. And I think agents should want to get to a stage where you're selling minimum, you know, 100 houses a year. You'll see, you become magnetic for listings. And when you break that down, that's only really eight to 10 sales per month, which any agent should be doing two per week. That is very simple. So yeah, I think now compared to what I did in 2021, it's funny, another competitor who never sold a house in Quakers Hill in his life started to try and crack into Quakers Hill, sponsored a sporting team, put bus stops out. And I thought to myself, you know, he had five bus stops. So then I bought 45 bus stops. Very hard to beat me when they have five and I have 45. My buses, I used to only have the back of the bus. A competitor did the sides, so I did 35 sides of the bus. I've even got a double-decker bus with me. You know, letterbox drops, we went from doing 10,000 to 20,000. 
I never did auctions. Now I do auction everything and I video every auction. My Facebook lives, you know, they get 60,000 views now. My weekly wrap-ups are now longer. I do more video testimonials. I sponsor more schools. I sponsor six schools and eight sporting teams locally. There's not a sporting team in the district in any soccer, hockey, UFC. We do it all F45. I sponsor everyone. So the spot, like the marketing bill, will probably, like I think marketing I spent last year something like $2 million. But I made seven individually, just me, and the office did $12 million. So what you spend, a lot of people are scared to spend and not see a return on investment. Where my return on investment, I think of it like this, and I spoke about it at my conference. Imagine you're in a boat and you've got one rod, you're going to get one fish. Where I've got 50 rods, if one doesn't get a fish, the other one will. So if it's not the buses, if it's not Facebook, if it's not my video, if it's not sponsoring schools, if it's not a letterbox drop, if it's not a bus stop, it's going to be realestate.com ads. It's going to be my premiere. It's going to be I have every ad top back on domain and real estate. My corner signs, I've got 450 corner signs that go out per week on a Saturday and a Sunday. You can't beat that. Yeah, absolutely. You just said something interesting, which I'll just go back on quickly, is that you can close anyone, and I believe you can because you could close me and I'm I'm hard. <laughs> you know, so a lot of agents will think that more prospecting, like putting more things in the top of the funnel, which is obviously what you're doing now because you can close anything, mm-hmm. is the right strategy. But let's just say I was doing eight sales a week or something like that. I'm not sure what I should focus on, whether it is converting or closing or whether it is putting more in the top of my funnel. What do you think? What should I focus on first? I think you've got to split your time. Like my time is split throughout the day. In the morning, I speak to vendors. During the day, I prospect. At nighttime, I close. So I feel after hours appointments for me work super well. I'll be doing listing appointments tonight as an example. Even tomorrow night when the orange is on, I've got four, five, six, seven, eight, and nine o'clock selling appraisals. I'm looking at my board this month. I've listed 37 and it's what we're the 20th today. So I'll list 50 plus, maybe 60 this month. I know the more I put in after hours, the more I'll get out. In terms of prospecting, you've got to work in the heat. Imagine you just sell something. I sell your neighbor's house, Sam. You've got to let all the neighbors know. Imagine you've got an auction. You've got to invite all the neighbors. Imagine you've got a vendor that's on the fence. They go with you. Do they not? I'll invite them to literally 10 of my auctions that I've got this week and I'll say, see the process. And I'll literally say to them, if I sell all 10, I get your listing. And they'll go, yep, done. Like I listed, it's funny. I'll usually go to a listing appointment. Sometimes, even though I'm very good at closing and reading the play and seeing people and, you know, are they introverts, extroverts? You know, I've done this for so long and so many times. I'll do over a thousand appraisals per year. And I've been doing this for 10 years. So I've done 10,000 of this. However, there are some people that just won't sign. They just won't sign. I'll sign 90%. The 10% won't sign. I'll usually leave them with the agreement and I'll say, guys, and that's if it's a Friday or a Thursday, I'll say, come to my auctions with a signed agreement on the weekend. And if I get a great price for this property, which is in the same location, I get your listing. I can't tell you how often we sell a listing. It goes absolutely off. Like an example, I had one 20 Manor House Boulevard in Quakers Hill. Now, this property worth 1.2, reserve was 1.2. We go to auction. I had six vendors in the crowd, six. We sold it for 1470000 Record for a five-bed single story. Ridiculous price. I had 84 Barnier. I had 63 Summerfield. I had 40 Kirsten. 
I had 38 Parnell and I had 84 Barnia. And so I had another one just off Quakers Road in Quakers Hill, Mansion Court as well. I had seven vendors that literally that day gave agencies. I can imagine. I mean, that's a fantastic strategy because there would be a lot of people on the fence right now going, oh, I just want to wait and see. You know, wait and see is never a strategy, is it? It's like come to my auction. Exactly. Results are evidence. Vendors need evidence, just like buyers need evidence that this is the house to buy. And vendors need evidence that Josh is the agent we need. That's all it is. The difference, like people can like you and like how you dress and like your marketing, but if you don't have the most compelling story why you're the best agent to get the business, you're not going to get the business. So yeah, with me, as I said, my boys are trained to have great product knowledge. That's a good one and a big one. My boys are trained that we're going to be there. We're going to make ourselves available. You know, we're local suburbs that we cover. We don't list properties or at volume in Liverpool or, you know, Kellyville. We'll do the odd ones here and there if it's a referral, but our core market is Quakers. Next to Quakers, you've got Blacktown. Mark's number one in Blacktown. Taylor's number one in Stanhope. I'm number one in Marion. We do the smaller suburbs around that, Hasselgrove, Dean Park, Doonside, Woodcroft. We're also number one in all of those suburbs, Acacia Gardens. So we're experts in our field, in our market. I think a lot of agents stretch themselves too thin and they try to become the expert of a thousand suburbs. We're probably the best in 12 suburbs and there's enough to go around there. There's probably 40,000 homes and you know, we're selling more than almost how many, 500, 600 of them per year, which is great. Amazing. Well, I do remember when you started, you were the duplex guy, like you specialised. You know what? I still get business off that. Like people say, I remember you sold that duplex and it's funny, I just sold the neighbour of that. So 2017, I sold 5B Ohio Place. I literally just sold the neighbour, 12 Ohio, which is next door, five metres from the fence line. And she said, I remember when you sold Teresa and David's house. That was six years ago. So it's crazy what like people remember things. Like I had a call yesterday and he said to me, he goes, Josh, met you in 2015. You were door knocking. I'm ready. See your face everywhere. You actually sold my best friend's house. And one good question I always ask, and this always opens up a door for me at the start. You're selling, you call me, hey, Josh, I'm Sam. I want to sell. I'm in Quakers Hill. I'll say, great, Sam. That's awesome. Do you mind me asking where you got my details? A lot of my business comes based off referrals, based on selling for family and friends of other people. Have I had any experiences with family and friends? And they'll say either two things, yes, or they'll say, look, no, but we feel like we already know you, Josh, because we see you everywhere. You sponsor my daughter's soccer team. And you know what? If the time ever came, which it did to sell, we'd call you and here we are. So asking that question, how did you get my details, goes so far. Yeah, amazing. So just sort of wrap things up, I just want to talk about motivation for a moment because you're still so young and you've won just about every award there is multiple times. Like, you know, it's not just like, oh, I've won an Olympic gold medal, but you've won several Olympic gold medals, several Commonwealth, like in the equipment, I think. What is it that drives you to keep pushing the boundaries in your work? What is it that drives me? Number one, I've never wanted to be a leader that sits behind the desk. I believe my leadership style is show how it's done. Like we all sat in a sales meeting four weeks ago or five weeks ago now, and all the boys said, we're having trouble listing. We can't convince owners to come. No one wants to convert from off markets online. A lot of people are saying we're going to wait. JT, 
What do we do? And I'm talking some of the best agents in this area and in the northwest of Sydney struggling. And I sat there and I said, boys, I said, we're going to go back to fundamentals. And I said, I promise you, I'm going to list 50 plus in June. And they looked at me and they said, if you can do it. And I said to them, if I can do it, you can do it. We're doing the same hours. Guess what? Man of my word, I'm on 37. I'm on track to go 50 plus. And all the boys are having great months. I'm looking at my board now. Mark's on nine. Luke's on six. Alex is on seven. Taylor's on seven. So all the boys are doing the numbers because I have an extreme leadership style. What drives me? Look, money doesn't drive me anymore. Obviously, it's a byproduct and I've got to make money. I really think my service is the best there is. We've got great customer service, great energy. I work longer than anyone. No one can offer more than what we do. So I really feel what we charge is obviously what we get out at the end of the day. We deserve the fee. I believe in that, 2.75%. So in terms, <laughs> so in 275, Sam. So yeah, what drives me, oh, look, not that you become complacent. Like Adrian Bowie is a, a coach of mine, great friend, one of my best mates in the industry. Bowie said when I won number one a couple of years ago, you know, you go to the moon and what's further than the moon? Like those people who came back, you know, Armstrong and the crew were clinically depressed when they came back to earth because they'd achieved everything. And I went through a stage of that too, where I had achieved everything, won everything, had everything. And I said to myself, what's next? I never wanted to be someone that just did it once though. Like rate my agent, I've won that four times in a row, realestate.com twice now, you know, Ray White in every single category. I don't need to prove anything to anyone besides myself. I think having a family is now my new motivator. Obviously, my wife, she's pregnant almost halfway. So I'd love to leave a legacy for him. And I have a joke in the office. I said, you know, he'll be the principal one day. It'd be silly to give away such a great database that I've got. Imagine it in another 20 years, like that'll just be crazy. So I like to lead from the front. I believe my boys need to be shown and reminded daily what can be achieved with hard work. And that's what I do. And what drives me, look, my driver used to be number one, but when you win it so many times, it sort of gets number one. I've got it. Every plaque says number one. It gets more than just a trophy now. It's more of a legacy. It's more of a family business for my future son growing up. And I just have fun. I love meeting people and I hate, like, I would not, not that I, it was a bad on my honeymoon. And on my honeymoon, I didn't speak to anyone. My phone had no service. I had a great time with my wife. However, I really missed. Like I was trying to strike up conversations with anyone in the hotel. Like I just love interacting with people and I never get sick of it. And if you can earn good money and you can have lots of fun along the way, then that's real estate for me. So yeah, I just, until I get sick of it and maybe when I have three or four kids in the next 10 years, my maybe opinion will change. But at the moment, I love being on the ground, love doing what I do and putting on conferences and doing podcasts like this, hopefully Maybe there's some experienced agents that need a little bit of energy to pump them back up or there's some new agents that think, you know what, Josh Teslin can do it, I can do it. Yeah, absolutely. So I think, you know, when I became a mother, it was the best job in the universe that was ever given to me. Yeah. And you're about to become a dad. Yes. Will that slow you down? Oh, look, I think I've got to hire a few people within the team to take the load off slightly. I've got no intentions to step away altogether my life and my job and my happiness is at work. So yeah, I feel that because I do auctions on a Sunday, I'm actually trialing at the moment some midweek auctions. So if I can do a midweek auction, like I've got one Friday at four, five and six, I've got three auctions. So if I can lessen the load on a Sunday, potentially I can have Sundays where it's not so hectic working 12 hours. Maybe I can only work three or four. 
so yeah, I'm trialing a few things. It's going to be trial and error, I think. I still want to be a big part of my son's life and obviously being a dad and a parent. But yeah, I think that life will change, no doubt. I'll pivot and find another way, just like we did when the interest rate rises went up, just like when the election was on, just like when the, the market changed. You know, this will be just a change, but I still plan on continuing the numbers I'm doing and maybe just adding more team members and letting them have a bit more responsibility and having a bigger team, I think definitely would assist in that aspect. But for my clients, I still feel my clients need me and my service. And, you know, I'm not a control freak, but I still want to be a part of it. So let's hope I can find a balance somewhere. God help me. (laughs) Well, I'm sure if anyone can, you can, because, you know, we all adapt and it's amazing. I mean, I love this. I do really love this journey for you, Josh, from the time that I've gotten to know you to now. I mean, I just want to say again, congratulations on everything. I know you've worked extremely hard for where you are and what you've done, but it's always just such a joy to talk to you and your energy and all that sort of thing. And so thank you for coming on the podcast again for a third time. Everyone loves to hear from you. If there was one thing or one piece of advice that you'd like to leave everyone with, what would it be? What would it be? I believe a lot of agents give up too quickly. They feel that they're prospecting, they're door knocking, they are making cold calls and they do it for three weeks every day and see no success. I think you should compare yourself to someone trying to lose weight. You know, if you do eating healthy and exercising literally every single day for six months and you don't eat bad, you will see results. Real estate is results. And I think consistency is the biggest thing. I suppose if you bring energy, you bring enthusiasm, you are consistently doing the right things, you will see results. I only just started earning money probably in the last four or five years. The five years prior to that, I spent on self-marketing. So I suppose the advice I'd give is market yourself harder. Don't be afraid to market yourself and self-promote your business. That's the biggest thing for me. Work longer hours, have fun while you're doing it, have great energy, be consistent and have a to-do list. I've got a to-do list every day that's non-negotiable, which includes vendor work, prospecting work, buyer work, and I go to bed once it's done, and then I do it all over again. So sacrifice equals success, as well as having great people around you. So yeah, enjoy the ride and stick in there and be consistent. That's the takeaway and the message. Amazing. Josh Cheslin, thank you so much. Matt McLean, thank you. Have a great day. You too. We hope you enjoyed this episode of the Elevate Podcast. With thanks to connectnow.com.au. Don't forget to get access to all of Elite Agent's premium resources, including a detailed episode guide for this podcast. Visit joinaliteagent.com.